BC Projects podcast. Today, my guest is Shane Gifog, who is an American artist that looks through the lens of humanity at civilizations, both past and present, and views time as threads that connect all people. His work is a visual language that is informed by spiritualism of abstraction and the realism of the old masters. These two ideas are usually seen as separate, but Gifog fuses them seamlessly into works that transcend and become testaments to thoughts that inform us of who we are in the 21st century. Today I'm at Shane Gifog's ranch in Central California, sitting in, an, in his artist's studio, looking at a variety of paintings. Shane, thanks for joining me. Well, good morning. How are you? Good, thank you. Good. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Well, today I'd, I'd love to take the time to discuss um, an interesting topic, true to both of our hearts, process okay. and creation. Process and creation. Okay, begin. Um, the beginning of the beginning. <laughs> the beginning of the beginning. How do we begin this? I wake up in the morning. I check my phone to make sure the world's still out there. <clears throat> I get up. I make coffee. Okay. And I have a French press, so I drink the entire thing. Uh -huh. I don't know. It's two or three cups worth to get me going, wake me up. And then... Uh, what I like to do is write. Mm -hmm. I write in the morning while I'm still halfway in a dream state of sorts, and I haven't <clears throat> got bogged down with other thoughts, right? So there's a freedom that I have in the morning with my, my thought process, and it just flows quite easily. Um, and I, you know, I may write for half an hour or an hour, yeah. and then I go about my day. Excellent. Yep. Excellent. Um, um, and depending where I am depends on what my day is. You know, if I'm in LA, <clears throat> I will, um, as you know, we always have business that we have to deal with. Mm -hmm. So I like to get that out of the way so that my brain is clear of any uh, rubbish running around in there. Yeah. And if I'm up at the ranch, uh, I've got a big project going on here where we're remodeling a, some the whole area here, mm -hmm. the different buildings. And <clears throat> so I like to start at 8 a.m., 8 mm -hmm. get out there, start swinging that hammer, mm -hmm. figuring things out, build, 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 and go to about two. Okay. At which point I'm usually exhausted. Yeah, physically. Physically exhausted. My back is tightening up. Mm -hmm. I can't swing that hammer anymore. And I think, you know, it's time to stop. And then I make my way to the studio. Excellent. Um, and I, I sometimes have a preconceived idea of what I'm going to work on. Sometimes I don't, mm -hmm. you know, and I just have to check in with myself mm -hmm. and find out what feels right, what doesn't feel right. And <clears throat> just go from there. And, you know, and sometimes I'm in a mood for a blue or I'm in a mood to paint with red or I'm in a mood to paint with a flesh tone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I usually have four or five, seven or eight, somewhere in there, different paintings in process. Mm -hmm. And there are oftentimes from different series that I'm working on simultaneously because okay. my moods change. And I check in with myself and decide which direction I'm going to go for that day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it feels like, you know, your morning routine at the ranch here is, uh, the physical activity of working on the land and the earth 
getting your hands dirty. Uh, really dirty. Really dirty, really muddy, depending yep. on the project. Mm -hmm. um, blisters, calluses. Yes. You know, just really almost like a fighter in a way, but a spiritual <laughs> fighter. Checking, you know, checking back in like you're alive. It's cold, especially this morning. It was quite cold. It's cold in the wintertime. It's foggy. Yeah. And it's like this freshness. Yeah. And so that physical labor, hard labor, work of being on a ranch, um, kind of warms you up, warms up your body, warms up your mind. And then by two o'clock, you're kind of in this, I would imagine, quiet state so that you could enter your studio and begin a more meditative journey inward. Yes, an introspective journey. Um, <clears throat> I always like to, well, let's see here. How do I talk about this now? For instance, say I'm working on a um, still point painting, mm -hmm. <coughs> which I am currently. <clears throat> that's six and a half feet by nine feet. And that's a big painting, you know, it's bigger than me. I'm five foot 11 on a good day. Okay. Depending on how much I've been working. <laughs> um, and so it's a big painting. It is all consuming for me. And I really have to let go of all thoughts and inhibitions. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I can't be worried about how this painting is going to turn out. I can't be concerned with what people are going to think about it. Mm -hmm. I just have to be present and in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I get that. Oftentimes, you know what, after working around here or being out in the orchard, and I have an orchard now. Yeah. And I have uh, over 100 assorted fruit trees. And I'm getting ready to plant about 350 grapevines. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So I'm going to, uh, it's been a sort of romantic fantasy of mine to have, uh, make my own wine and press my own olive oil. Why not? Why not? You know, <laughs> why not? You've got the land. You got the land. I got the wherewithal. I've, um, why not? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, I, I think it's a wonderful thing. And, you know, as consumers of what we've become in the, in the sort of modern age, we spend our, our time and our money just in a bad way. And if you can buy a plant or a vegetable mm -hmm. or a tree or mm -hmm. roses and plant it and, and have that sort of nature and beauty. Yeah. Beauty. beauty. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I started planting, replanting the orchard two years ago because there was a big drought here in California and our well went dry. And then uh, we had to get a new well dug, drilled 440 feet deep. So now we have lots of water. So I started replanting the orchard about two years ago. <clears throat> and I found that really I was became really inspired in by watching these trees grow and watching their blossoms in the springtime, you know, they start unfurling and coming out in the leaves. And right now it's, everything's dormant except mm -hmm. for the citrus. Mm -hmm. um, but it's quite beautiful. Mm -hmm. And it is a reminder, it reconnects me mm -hmm. to everything around me, right? And it's very, excuse me, it's very easy to be isolated. Um, and especially in the city, it's very, very easy to become so isolated, even though like in Los Angeles, you're there with 10 million people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes it's like you never feel so alone as mm -hmm. when you're in a big city. Mm -hmm. That's true. You know, yeah. you, feel, you feel very alone and there's a lot of noise around. There's a lot of activity around. There's a lot of people around, but be, you're not connecting to any of it, to anyone. Especially now. Especially with now with this pandemic, sure. Yeah. 
So we feel very isolated. And when I'm out here and working on the ranch, I don't feel isolated at all. I feel like I'm a part of something that's quite big and profound. Oh, that's that's wonderful. So so I want to get back to that moment because we're at the ranch and I'm experiencing life here and and a lot of the ranch now is are buildings and things that you've created with your hands and it's part of your your practice of always building building your own furniture and things like that sort mm -hmm. of art is living and living as art and and sort of the balance of nature and landscape and and how you live but going back to hollywood yeah. and entering that space of process reaching creativity um when i first met you and you had your studio in downtown LA, which is very different than the downtown LA that it is today. Mm -hmm. I was just shocked. He told me, just pull up, call me, don't get out of your car. I will escort you up the stairs into yes. my studio. I did that. I got upstairs. It was like a dark staircase that I remember going through. Right. Got to the top. And the hallway, long hallway. Long hallway. And I was just like. Studio. Okay, I trust you wherever I'm going. <laughs> and I, oh, the door opened and it was the Avalon paintings. And it was just... 2002. I was just speechless. So, I mean, we talk about creativity here on the ranch, but creativity in Hollywood, in Los Angeles, mm -hmm. like you say, in a place of um, where you feel lonely. I mean, how do, you, how do you enter? How do you get there for you? Well, in terms of my creativity, <clears throat> like when I had that space downtown that you came to when you first met me, 2002, um, you know, it was on 5th off of Alameda. And at that time, it was a really rough area. Mm -hmm. And I remember pulling up, I had this Mustang and I would pull up and my son was always with me in his little baby seat in the back, you know, and I'd have to get him out. But as soon as I'd open that door, I'd just be surrounded by drug dealers and prostitutes and mm -hmm. homeless people mm -hmm. and, you know, like 15 people surrounding me. Yeah, I remember. It was crazy. I remember. And, <clears throat> yeah, hence I told you, don't get out of your car. Yeah. Let me escort you up. So I got to where, you know, I bark at these people and they kind of back off. Um, but what I learned how to do there was once I got into my studio, and got my son settled in his little playpen, mm -hmm. I would walk around the studio and say everything that was on my mind out loud. Mm -hmm. Everything. Mm -hmm. And I would empty myself out mm -hmm. before I began any art process make, making, anything at all. Wonderful. I would just empty it out, empty it out. And music plays a big part in my creative process. I don't listen to music that has words. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, or at least words that I recognize. If it's in a different language, okay. that's one thing. Okay. But the music becomes like a, a portal. And especially classical music or Eastern Indian music mm -hmm. or um, Persian music, it really is like a portal that might, if there's such a thing as a third eye in your forehead there, it just kind of opens up. Okay. And I'm able to kind of go into that space. Mm-hmm. And there, it just happens. Mm -hmm. But I have to create that moment of opportunity. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And there's a lot of noise in the world. It's like, how can you get there? I think it's, it's almost like a, um, 
you know, when you when people meditate, you learn how to be silent and be still. Mm -hmm. And from that become, you know, it's like your mind slows down. Right. The news goes away. Right. The anxiousness goes away. Right. The worries go away. And ultimately, the goal is to be in the moment. But, but I will say, because I've spent a lot of years meditating, that for me, all those things are always going all the time. And in sitting and meditating, you have to allow it to just pass by like cars on the freeway. Mm -hmm. So I want to cut back to your still point paintings. Yeah. Order over chaos. Yes. Because exactly what we're saying about getting into the process and creation is very much those paintings. Yes, they are. And, you know, they start with me, um, like, just loading up a brush and making a sweeping movement with my arm on the canvas with the paint. And that one movement dictates the next movement and the next one and the next one. And if you think about, say, traffic on the 405 freeway, okay, um, you're driving and the direction you're going and if you're changing lanes or the speed that you're is based on everything around you mm -hmm. right so it's all being completely interactive whether we think so or not because we often think of ourselves as these isolated entities especially when we're in our cars yeah you know they become our own little private chapel of sorts but um everything is connected mm -hmm. everything yeah. And if somebody makes a wrong move in terms of they don't feel connected, they don't understand the interconnectivity, okay. suddenly you've got a traffic accident. Right. right? Just right. like that. Right. And <clears throat> so when I'm making these paintings, I'm thinking about the movements and I'm responding to the movement of each mark that I make. Mm -hmm. And the second mark becomes a response to the first one. Mm -hmm. And the third to the second and a fourth to the third. And these moments begin to build up layer after layer after layer. And then I start using playing with different colors because as say like the one I'm working on now, it started off with a light pale blue background. Mm -hmm. And then I went into a very uh, deep red. Mm -hmm. And then now as I'm putting on layer after layer, the reds are getting lighter and I'm beginning to weave them okay. in and out mm -hmm. of other previous marks. Okay. And so right now there's not a whole lot of balance in the painting, visual balance. It's a bit off kilter. Okay. And so I will continue to work on it until I find the balance. Yeah, I feel like um, I just had a vision of, you know, a captain on a ship mm. in a swell of a storm. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're just, you know, the horizon is there and you know you've got to get there. Um, but you're, it's a balancing act. And as an artist yourself, almost like a conductor. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, yeah. what's coming. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. And I, I do feel like a conductor of sorts, um, to the silent, um, song. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I talk often about that my, my paintings are wordless poems, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. But <clears throat> back to the whole creative process. So as I'm doing these layers, I'm really, and I step back oftentimes. I do a mark, I step back. Uh -huh. I, I don't think 
about, oh, does that mark work or not? I just, I just am in the moment. Yeah. And then I intuitively go back into the painting. Right. And I may walk back and forth mm -hmm. 300 times yeah. in one painting session. Okay. And so consequently, I need space when I'm working because mm -hmm. I like to, I also like to walk away from it mm -hmm. and turn my back to it and then get as far away as I can and then turn back and look at it to get a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And I'll recognize, oh, that area needs this or that needs that. It needs mm -hmm. balance, you know. So I intuit these things and I keep going back into it until... <clears throat> I think that, um, and there's a transfer of information that's happening. Mm -hmm. And another thing that goes on with me is with each brush stroke, it's like almost like an onion where you're peeling off the layers. And those layers are my the memories of mm -hmm. my life. Mm -hmm. And I keep going deeper and deeper and deeper mm -hmm. with each layer. But it's not necessarily memories of specific times or places, but the feelings that those memories give me. Okay. So there's an emotional exchange mm. that's happening. That's quite profound. And when the paintings are done, you know, six, eight months later, and, and like, for instance, uh, just to digress for a second, in the mm -hmm. beginning when I start working on them, they're easy because I have a blank canvas. Okay. But then as I get towards the middle of them, say I'm two or three months into it, <clears throat> They start getting very complicated, and then it becomes this this battle because I have to reconcile right the chaos. Well, I was just thinking that, um, and I've talked about. I've asked you this before when I first met you, and you were doing these paintings. You know, later actually in two thousand nine when you started them, mm -hmm. um, because as as a person who went to art school, I wouldn't call myself an artist, but I did go to art school and I did study painting. I was completely lost in the process and was carried away with wild horses on a chariot. You know, <laughs> I, I, I was I, I was not able to um, gather the reins and, and steer myself mm. in a direction. For me, painting and making art is a very, um, it's something I don't enjoy. It's, there's a lot of pain and suffering mm. in it. Um, because I'm accessing my own feelings. Right. But in, in your case, I understand what you're saying. And I think that what you've accomplished, please correct me if I'm wrong, is you're able to dance with your demons. Yes, we all have demons. <clears throat> and, and I've been saying this for many years. You have to learn how to dance with them before they dance with you. Mm -hmm. We all have insecurities. We mm -hmm. all have moments of anxiety. Mm -hmm. We all have this fleeting moments thinking that the world's coming to an end maybe um or the democracy of this country is coming to an end especially maybe, today especially today <laughs> uh this pandemic has thrown the human population a curveball right but <clears throat> i think what it's also done has it's it's exposed us to the reality of how interconnected we are mm -hmm. yeah. and how we are tied to this planet you know we have we've been we come from the earth we will return to the earth right and it's what we do with these moments as yeah. we're standing upright um to help understand and define what it means to be human 
mm -hmm. it means to have these anxieties, what it means to have happiness mm -hmm. and feel love or feel sadness. And there's no, you know, and if you don't feel it, then you're not alive. You're, you're not there, right? Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> I realized um, years ago that quite often, almost daily, as I'm working on a painting, suddenly doubt would creep in and I would say to myself, what are you doing? Hmm. This has got to be the dumbest thing in the world to be doing with your time. You're standing in a room by yourself in front of a piece of cloth stretched over some wood and you've got a brush with some pigments, colored pigments, and you're smearing it on this cloth, this canvas. Okay. Right? And so when I break it down like that, it seems sounds kind of absurd. But then you realize that, well, what you're doing is you're turning water into wine. You know, it's an alchemy. Right. And you're manifesting the thoughts. Your thoughts are manifesting into this physical reality now, into this, this mm -hmm. space, mm -hmm. into onto the canvas. And <clears throat> so I, I finally got to the point where I realized that, oh, here's that weird feeling again of anxiety or doom and gloom or these paintings are nobody will ever see them and why wasn't I okay just to go get a job and so I don't have to stress out about paying the rent so uh -huh. on and so forth and um, but then somewhere in this process I, I, I strike gold you know it's like I feel that I'm dipping my toes into the pond of the universe and I realize that what I'm doing is bigger than me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that gives me a lot of mm, inner peace. Yes. So I say, okay, you know, to my, my negative feelings, here they are again, and I welcome them now. Right. Because I realize it's part of my process. Right. If you don't doubt yourself, Okay. I think maybe you're not being honest mm -hmm. with yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to look back in hindsight and say, that's a good painting or that's not a good painting. It's very difficult to do it while you're making the painting. Okay. Very, very difficult. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and you're along for the ride. I'm along for the ride. I remember one time the Avalon paintings in particular, you brought those up. So I was doing these veils, right? These, uh -huh. With these thin translucent paints. And, and I thought, well, what if there's a, and this is how my, my mind works, what if there is an invisible dimension right in front of us that we can't see? Hmm. And what if we were able to somehow have a split second where we could see the invisible? Okay. What might it look like, right? And, and light, what if light, we see light everywhere, but what if it becomes a physical object? Mm -hmm. and and mm -hmm. the way that light reflects off of something and what if I could take that reflection and put it into a different context mm -hmm. and this is where the idea came from for the Avalon series and for the Kanak series about mm -hmm. this cascading veils of light mm -hmm. and while I was working on I think it was the, the white one there's four of them which represented the four seasons okay and Avalon yeah. is a name of a mythical island where King Arthur went to heal after battle right and I have been reading a book about all that stuff. <clears throat> and then, you know, 9-11 happened. Mm -hmm. And I realized that this country has was wounded. And it needed to heal. 
And mm -hmm. so I started thinking about um, Avalon, the mythical island wow. where King Arthur That's went incredible. to heal. Yeah. And I thought, well, what would the four seasons be like there? What would they mm. feel like? Oh, wow. What would the essence of them be? Not physic, not the visual part of it, but the the sensorial part of it. Okay. Right? Yeah. And how would I translate that into paint? Mm -hmm. So that's where that idea for that series came from. And but I was I was working on it was the white one, the winter one. Mm -hmm. And it was so pale and ethereal that at one point I thought I was going to float away. Oh my. It was just like, whoa. And then there was another day I was in there and I was just staring at the painting and all of a sudden the surface markings, the, the veils of light that I had painted mm -hmm. started lifting off of the canvas and coming towards me. And I stepped forward and met these veils. And oh. when I did, I saw the painting finished. Oh, wow. And it was such a incredible spiritual moment mm -hmm. because I didn't know where to take the painting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was stuck with it, you know, right. and I was dancing with my demons. Okay. And all of a sudden this thing came at me. Mm -hmm. Parts of the painting floated off and was coming at me. Mm -hmm. And I, like I said, I stepped forward to meet it, right. to greet it, right. to, to engage it. Right. And suddenly... I saw the painting completely finished. Right. Even though it had another month to go. So that gave me the courage. Yeah. And yeah. the and the and the the impetus to keep moving forward on it. But but I will say I, I hear what you're saying and I'm I'm personally soaking it up, but you do start your day writing. Yeah. Writing and the morning is a time for you going from sleep to consciousness to to coffee coffee and putting <laughs> down your your thoughts but yeah. also you spend a great time of your life informing yourself about ancient civilizations about history about literature and things like that so you're able to and you constantly do so you're able to access all of this library of of world knowledge and ideas and textures and uh, music and build everything. Mm -hmm. And you take all of that into that moment of process and creation. And I think this is how you are able to have these sort of come to these sort of solutions in mm. the end. Yeah. Um, it's not like I you're so. a blank canvas of somebody who doesn't reach out to right. other parts of the world or, or right. things like that. It's not like you're walking and and you're this the antennas are, are are just telling you what to do. Right. You've you've done you continue to do the necessary internal work of the academic world, the um, spiritual world, the intellectual world, and so on. Mm. Psychic world. Mm -hmm. Um, like your Odic paintings. And science also. And I science. mean, I, I read a lot about science and metaphysics and, um, you know, new theories about the universe that are constantly popping up. And I then I read about, say, the ancient Mayans and mm -hmm. I, you know, and their idea of timelessness um, that the, the, the present is the past and the future mm -hmm. all at this moment. Mm -hmm. And they felt that we are just focused in the here and now. Mm -hmm. But that the 
the past and the future are also available to us. Mm-hmm. We're just not tuned into it. Yeah. You know, like an antenna. We're not pointing in the right direction. And, you know, scientists are now also thinking like this. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, that's interesting, mm-hmm. you know. And all the, the ancient world religions, you read about the act of the idea of timelessness, mm-hmm. of being without time or space. Mm-hmm. Well, we can't even begin to conceive of that because we are here in this moment and this physical body. Right. And so it's like our brains have a governor on it to stop us from thinking into the complete abstract void because, you know, maybe maybe that's too much. Right. And, and um, we're going to wind down, but okay. but I have to say that there's so much to talk about, but one thing I do want to bring up before we close is the fact that we are on your ranch. This was um, an exotic bird farm. Yes. You did do the series of flight pattern sort yes. of paintings yes, and, and your works growing up with the, you know, thousands, millions of birds. Millions of birds around here. Lovebirds, parakeets, cockatiels, finches. We had 20,000 square feet of bird aviaries out back, which I just recently tore them all down because they were falling apart. They were really dilapidated. And um, the bird business has been gone since 1996, I think. Mm -hmm. So these buildings were sitting out there just falling apart. Yeah. But yeah, I used to. I remember as a kid walking into these these aviaries that were say five feet wide and and eight feet long, mm-hmm. and you know birds would be flying ar- around me. And I think about that, and I think about the movement mm-hmm. of color mm-hmm. that these birds, you know, yeah. they, as they're flying all around me. And I think about my paintings now, and I think there's a part of me subconsciously that is sort of recreating the movement. Mm-hmm. of these birds from when I was a kid. Right. Yeah. I, I think so. I, I think so. But, you know, but then the farmland around here, <clears throat> as they plant, uh, you know, they, they disc and, and plant the crops, um, these these furrows are as straight as you can imagine, mm-hmm. row after row after row, and mm-hmm. the orchards row after row, and they create patterns within patterns as you're driving by. Mm-hmm. And so there's an order and a chaos happening simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So I think that my work has been deeply informed yes. by the landscape here mm-hmm. and my upbringing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but, but we can take that back to Hollywood and Los Angeles in mm-hmm. the grid system of the city. Um, you're, you're able to access, you know, get to that place. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's because it was already there within me, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it's a matter of being able to find your own inner still point mm-hmm. and access that mm-hmm. and and turn off the noise, mm-hmm. the white noise that we're constantly bombarded with mm-hmm. and go within yourself and find this and be in the moment of now. Mm-hmm. And I think that when the paintings are really successful, that's what they allow people to do. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. This is such a a thrill and an honor to um, speak to you today. Thank you. And it's a... Hope I didn't ramble on too much. No, no. You get me going, you know. No, I get too excited. (laughs) I get very excited about all these things. And um, art and life and uh, just cannot exist without it. It's just too important. 
Art are the eyes of the soul of humanity. Art is the eyes of the soul of humanity. Mm. Yes. Thank you. And that just popped into my head. You can quote me on that if you want. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you. And thank with you. that, I will close. And um, Until next time. Until next time. Okay. Great. Thank you.